Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, happy Father's Day. Did you enjoy that? That's pretty. <laughs> crying, crying backstage. It's just, it's too real, okay? It's too real. Well, <laughs> happy Father's Day to you. Today, I hope, Dad, you feel special. I hope that made you feel special. Um, and today, is, it's for dads, but it's, it's really, honestly, it's, it's for all of us. It's, it's for anybody that is a parent. And the truth is, is we're all parents in some way. It's not only for parents, but it's for grandparents. And maybe you're not a grandparent. Maybe you're not a parent. Maybe you're a spiritual parent. And, and the truth is, is that you are being a parent to someone that maybe doesn't have a parent. And what, regardless of, of where you are in life, I hope that this morning it, it blesses you, uh, this time together uh, blesses you, and I hope, Dad, you feel honored today. The truth is, is that, that kids are, they're cool. They're, they're fun. And for both of us, we got our start in ministry doing youth camps. And you can't keep us away from our camps. You can't keep us away from our conferences because we just, we love kids. We love to be around kids. We love to minister to kids. We love to see how God works in our kids' life. And I love the opportunity that God has given to us to be parents. Uh, but there are times, you know, where we look back and go, yeah, did we do enough? Or, man, in that situation, should we have turned left instead of right? And you can kind of second guess yourself as a parent and a grandparent at times. But God entrusted us uh, personally with these two beautiful souls. We have two daughters, and they are grown, and, and we are empty. I mean, free birds. We're free birds. We're not empty nesters. We're free birds. And uh, they were such a blessing in our life. And, and uh, uh, you know, God just, just blessed us with those souls. Now, we got to understand that God never gives us gifts without some instruction on how to handle those gifts. And children are no exception. So this morning, I've asked my wife, Rebecca, to help me talk about the mandates that God has given us when it comes to parenting and raising our children. Standards, if we'll live by, that can make our parenting much easier and much more effective. Now, we are no experts. We made a lot of mistakes, and our kids have made mistakes too. But when we have guidelines that help us it can make our life and their life so much easier. Psalm 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. I like to describe them as a gift because you never know what you're going to get, right? 
never know. You never know what kind of crazy thing that they're going to say or what they're going to do. I mean, we all have these stories of our kids and saying things and, and doing things that when they were growing up, our kids were no exception. I remember when Lindsay went to kindergarten for the first time, which would have made Madeline about four years old, uh, she uh, went to kindergarten and, and she'd been going for a few weeks and she came home and she was telling the family about issues she was having with her boyfriend. Okay. And my four-year-old looked at her and said, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I remember another time, Madeline was super young, maybe kindergarten herself. And I was praying over Rebecca because Rebecca was sick. And I was like, Madeline, would you come over here? Would you pray over your mom? And she goes, sure. So she came over and she put her hand on Rebecca and she goes, dear Jesus, please heal my mom so she doesn't have to die on the cross for my sins. So this morning, I want to make sure that we leave with some tools, some mandates, some things that can help us to be better parents, better spiritual parents, and better grandparents. And there are nine, only nine that we're going to get to this morning. We'll get done by about the time the 11 o'clock crowd comes in. I'm sure we'll, we'll do our best here. Uh, but Rebecca's going to start us off. So fathers must cultivate a sense of family identity. It's very important as parents that we cultivate a place to belong for our children. Our children need to belong. It's, it's a need within them. And if your family does not cultivate that team dynamic now, when your children are older, they might just choose another team. This is where kids can get into the wrong crowd, maybe some bad clicks. And we don't really have this problem so much in Grand Junction, but this is how kids get into gangs, is because of this possible, possible problem here. Now, how do we do this? Well, first, verbally encourage your children about what a great family you have. In our family, what we decided was part of our uh, Roseberry team identity was that we love God. And so because of that identity, we went to church every Sunday, we serve, and we tithe part of our identity the other thing though that we made as part of our identity is we have fun mm -hmm. team roseberry has fun and so every year since our girls were almost at birth we would do a family vacation every single year we would take our time out and we'd take the kids's time out and we would go and we would recreate and have fun together and you know sometimes that was a sacrifice for us but now with our kids out of the house, we still get together sometimes and reminisce about those awesome memories that we made going and doing those vacations together every year. I remember one year we went to Disney and uh, we got our girls these bright red jerseys. Now, one reason we did that is so we wouldn't lose them. But the other, the other thing we did is we put Roseberry on the back of their jersey and then put a number uh, on the back of their jersey. And they thought that was so cool. They thought, man, we got, we got family jerseys. Man, we have team jerseys. This is so cool. Now, when they were 18, they didn't think it was cool anymore. <laughs> But then when they were young, they thought that was awesome. Another way to make sure that you can get this team dynamic is know where you're going with your family identity. It can't happen on accident. So you have to ask yourself, what do you want your family to be? Do you want it to be loving? Do you want it to be caring, supportive, loyal? Do you want 
it to be a family who loves God, or do you want it, them to be fun? A father also must provide an ongoing demonstration of love for his wife. It is so very important that your children see you loving on your wife. This is where they will get their examples on how they expect to be treated when they're dating and eventually when they get married. And it helps them to set their standards high. Mm -hmm. And what is so interesting about young children is that they do not understand abstract concepts such as love. They need those concrete examples so that they can understand it. So opening the door for your wife, holding her hand, kissing her, yes, in front of the kids, are all ways to show them that, that concrete sign of love. Now, I get it that when teenagers, when you kiss in front of your teenagers, they may act like they're all grossed out, like, oh, gross, mom, dad, get a room, et cetera, et cetera. Understand that, yes, they may be saying this on the outside, but within their soul, mm -hmm. you have created a sense of security there by showing that public display of affection. That's right. Dads, uh, how high we set that standard dictates what kind of boy your daughter will date and vice versa. Right? So set the standard really high, right? <laughs> set it really high. Number three, a father needs to understand and respect his child's private world. Private world. Now, kids have three worlds. They, they have a public world. That's the world that uh, uh, they are when they're just out in public. They have a personal world, which is who they are at home and who they are with their inner circle of friends. But then they have this private world. And that's what's happening on the inside of them. What they're thinking, what they're feeling, and this is an area that you have to be invited to come into. It's not someplace you can just force your way in. It's a place that you have to look for an opening. They're intimate moments. And these intimate moments, they are treasures. So we have to look for them. Look for them when your, your, your kids are, are, are opening the door and, and letting you in. Because dads, it's so important that we're there when they do that. And when they open the door, that is not a signal for us as guys to fix something, okay? One of, the, one of the wisest things that we can learn as dads and as guys, whether it's our wives that come to us, our kids, if they start talking to us, just say, do you want me to fix this or do you want me to listen? And most of the time they're going to say, just listen. I just need you to hear me. I remember there was a, a season of life where Lindsay was being bullied at school, and we didn't know it. We noticed her behavior was changing. We noticed that she seemed uh, more quiet and more recluse, which is not her. We had to find out, though, through her inner world what was happening at school. And so when she finally opened that door and we realized what the issue was, we were able to, to talk to her, to, to encourage her, to, to give her some tools of how to handle those bullies. Also, be able to uh, uh, talk to the teachers. And then I was able to go to the school bus stop and threaten children's lives. It was, <laughs> but I wouldn't have known to do that. Like, I had to be told. <laughs> So respect their private world. And then number four, a father must give his children the freedom to fail. Oh, that's big. Americans love success, don't we? We love success. And your kids need to know that if they fail, you still love them. You still love them. 
I remember uh, when Lindsay was in second grade, she had, her and her little friend uh, decided that they wanted to play soccer. And they played soccer in junior leagues too, but in second grade, uh, they wanted to step up and give it, a, give it a shot. So they went out and they had gotten on this team with this coach who I think thought he was training the kids for the Olympics. I'm not sure. You know those kind of coaches where they just yell all the time and they're really uh, angry with the kids and they're just pushing them and pushing them and pushing them. Well, at second grade, it's supposed to be a developmental league. It's supposed to be a time where kids can play and have fun and see if they like soccer and not feel like it's just all about the competition and being driven by by the coach and so these two little girls went on this team and it's obvious that this team had been together for a long time and they were much better than our kids and uh, basically what happened is our kids just were berated by the coach because they weren't playing to the level of the other kids and the other kids were, were like, they were way better. Granted, they were way better. But then as a result, our kids just didn't get to play. They didn't get to play. So, uh, so I went to them. They were crying afterwards. And I was just like, guys, it's okay. It's, it's, it's all right. It's, you didn't fail. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just, you know, these girls have been playing together longer. And, and you don't have to play if you don't want to. And I'm not one that just lets, has ever let my kids quit anything. But it's okay to let your kid quit something if they are being abused in some way or there's being some type of emotional damage done to them. Okay, that, that's not good. And I went to the coach and I talked to him afterwards and that went nowhere. I called the league, told them what was going on. And then guess what? I pulled the girls off the team. I just did because it, it just wasn't healthy for them. Kids have enough pressure on them without their parents adding that to, any more to them. You know, and, and the truth is, is that if we're not sure if our kids are being pressured, we need to ask them. And, and we need to ask them where that pressure is coming from. We need to say, hey, are you afraid to fail? Just ask them that. And, and I would ask them that more than once because you want to make sure that you're catching them in a moment where they don't feel like they're going to disappoint you with their answer. You need to also just ask them, are you afraid of disappointing me if you fail? Because our kids want to impress us. Our kids want us to be proud of them. Our kids feel and equate a lot of times uh, our approval of them as love from us. And if the answer is yes to either of those questions, we've got to figure out why and how you are making them or we are making them feel that way. The why. And maybe you feel like you failed somehow as a parent uh, when you were growing up and, and you don't want to make them, you don't want to make, you want to make sure they don't make the same mistakes. Or maybe you didn't have a lot of opportunities when you were a kid and you want to make sure that they have all the opportunities that you ever had, you never had. And then the how. I mean, maybe you're driving them to participate in things that they don't really want to. And, and you're setting standards that aren't realistic or they're just not sustainable. And so we just have to do that. Sometimes we, we feel like it, the more things that our kids are involved with, the better parent we are. And the more things that we get them involved with, the better they will be. And that's not always the case. Understand this. I want you to remember this. Extracurricular activities for your kids can be great. I, man, I played all the sports. I did all that stuff and that saw a lot of value in all of it. So I, I get it. But it shouldn't become their life. It shouldn't become their life and it shouldn't become you and your spouse's hobby. Okay, hear me on this. See parents all the time when they pour all of this stuff into their kids' life 
and then their kids' life becomes their life. And then their kids graduate and they go away. And then the parents look at each other and go, now what do we do? What do we have in common? It's so important that through life, we always have things in common, things that we love to do. And if you don't have that, you need to go create it because your kids are gonna leave one day and you want them to, okay? Because <laughs> it's wonderful. But we want to make sure that our whole life isn't wrapped up in them in such a way that when they leave, we don't have anything in common anymore. Number five, a father needs to be the encourager of the family. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Now, there's a difference between, being, between giving encouraging words and being an encouraging parent. Our kids need to be encouraged and encouraged in different ways. For instance, love languages, knowing those love languages, which of course verbal, touch, gifts, time, and service. Now, when up to about four or five, your kids speak all the love languages. So you can speak fluently pretty much any one of them at any given time when they're that age. But then once they get into about five or six, they start developing. And, and showing the signs of maybe two or three of those love languages. And so it's our jobs as parents to learn how to speak those fluently. Maybe another way that you can encourage is taking your kids out on a date for a special occasion or for just celebrating them, maybe for good grades or something like that, or just because of who they are. Uh, Tim used to do that. Talk about that for a minute. Yeah, one of the things that the, my girls just loved to do was they, they loved to, to go to breakfast with dad. And so what we would do, and I would, we would do this, I would do this individually too. I wouldn't bring them together. I would want to do this individually. So it meant, meant more to him. It was more special to him. And they still to this day talk about the Mickey Mouse pancakes they used to get at this 50s diner that we used to go to. They they still talk about that. It, 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 was start, it was ingrained in them that I love them just from spending time with them. Another thing that I did uh, one year was um, uh, the, the new Star Wars had come out. And so I went, and they were in elementary school, and I went, it was on a Friday, and I, I took them out of school, and we went to a matinee of, of the new Star Wars. They thought that was the coolest thing ever. They thought that was so awesome. And, and it was super, super fun. And then they got into Twilight. Did your kids ever get into Twilight? Oh, help me Jesus, you know. <laughs> team Edward, Team Werewolf, whatever all that was. Well, my girls got super, super into it. And they were the ones that would go to the premieres and they would like wait in line to, to be one of the first ones to get a seat. And they would stay out all day. We would drop them off in the morning, they would get in line, and they would stay all day to get these seats. Now they did it because it was fun and they dressed up like their favorite character. Um, and uh, so what I would do is I would, like one year the premiere was in August and it was 100 degrees and they're standing against the brick wall at Regal. And so what I did is I went and got, I had this little pop-up tent, you know, you've seen those. And so I went and got the pop-up tent and I set it up and then I went and got them a cooler that had drinks and stuff in it and then brought them lunch. They thought that was so cool that their dad would do that. And it wasn't hard. Maybe it wasn't hard. It was, it was so easy to do. And, and not only just to show that love, but also show that you're interested in what they're interested in. Another way you can encourage them, and what we used to do, was write them lunchbox notes. And so during the day, especially in middle school, which, man, I think that probably meant the most to them, 
we would just put little love notes in their lunchbox. And it's interesting because I think all kids think they just kind of take for granted that mom loves them. That's just kind of an expectation and they know that. But so, so my notes, I don't think were near as special as his notes because they also, it was so special to them that they knew that dad loved them. And then you just want to make sure that you're being creative in the way that you encourage them. Now, a lot of people think creative, oh, that means dollar signs. It's not what I'm talking about. You don't have to be, you don't have to spend a lot of money. It's just finding those special moments, those things that they're interested in, and just trying to be a part of those things. Many of you have heard uh, Tim speak about my relationship with my dad, which was hard throughout the years no doubt about it, but I found out later in life that my dad thought I hung the moon. However, I didn't find out until he was gone. It was at his funeral that he had friend after friend. I always do this every time. I always do this. Friend after friend, family member after family member. It was like a broken record. They would come up to me and say, man, your dad was so proud of you. All he ever did was talk about you. I actually got sick of hearing about you. <laughs> I cannot tell you how I would have killed to have heard that when he was alive, especially when I was younger. Man, to hear that would have been life-changing for me. So we have to make sure that we're purposeful about that encouragement, that we can't just rely on them hearing it from somebody else. They need to hear it from us and from our own lips. Number six, as a father, you must guard your tongue and your tone and learn to measure your response against the look on your kids' faces. And this never changes. It never changes. Even when your kids are older, even when they have their own kids, we got to be careful as parents. We're always their parent. We're always mom and dad. We need to measure our response by the excitement on their face. When they come to us, they get a new haircut. Oh, I love your hair. I, I like the colors of your hair. <laughs> I love that. When they bring home art and pictures, and guys, we, I mean, we get it. Like it's scribbles, it's not very good. And they have to interpret what it is that they wrote or they, they drew it, but that's okay. It's awesome, that is so, man, I'm so proud of you. You were, you were so good at that. Stories about, what happened during their day that you you take interest in that we used to do this thing we've talked about it before where at our dinner table at night we had high points and low points and now here's the thing in america eating together as a family that's something that we grew up with a generation x we grew up you, you ate together at night uh, that's something that has gone away and it's something that we need to bring back uh, eat dinner, at least eat dinner together at a table three or four nights a week with your family. And then ask them this question, what was your high point of the day and what was your low point of the day? That gives us sometimes an opportunity to open the door to their inner soul, to their, to their inner world. And we can communicate and we can see what they're going through. I can't tell you how many times we would not have known what was going on in our kids' life if we hadn't had the high point and the low point conversation. James 1, 19 through 20 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desire, desires. We need to be careful that we don't let our situation or current frustration rub off on our kids. 
Uh, there's nobody that gets frustrated as fast as this guy. There's nobody that struggles with patience more than me. Sometimes I lose it too. And it's always usually when the boat breaks down or I'm trying to change a tire. You know, guys, how it is where you're just like, oh. Passwords. Password. Oh, what? <laughs> Username and passwords? Oh my. Oh. They. I digress. <laughs> What we have to remember, though, is that we don't allow our frustrations in our current situation to rub off on our kids. And when we go home at night, we just need to leave our problems at work. And I know that's really hard to do at times, but we, we don't want our kids to experience our bad day. Uh, they're innocent. It's not their fault. And we really need to begin our day when we go home at night. So if we could think about on our drive home, just putting the reset button and just transforming from worker person, employee person, boss person to mom or dad on that trip home. And then we give our kids the best of us instead of just what's left over at the end of our day after we've had a hard day at work. Number seven, fathers need to routinely embrace their children. Physical affection is so very important. And there are studies that have been shown that physical affection actually helps our immune system. So it's really important that we are physically oh, embracing man. it. I didn't even know that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we did not practice that. I, just, I was overcome with the truth. <laughs> Anyway, whether touch is one of your love languages or not, it's still one of those very important ones that needs to be actively used on a regular basis. H hugging, kissing on the cheek, holding hands maybe, uh, sitting beside each other and, and at, on the couch, these kind of things mean so much to your kids. And it's interesting because Fathers seem to be really, really good with daughters when they're young doing these things until they hit puberty. And then it seems to be a little awkward and a little weird. And so fathers back off. And unfortunately, we are accidentally could be communicating the wrong thing by that. And so a dad needs to be even more purposeful during those, those teenage years. And the other thing that can happen is the same thing with, with fathers with their young men. Mm -hmm. They get to a point where they think it's not manly to hug each other anymore, or they do the bro hug, you know, or they, worse, shake hands. But it's so very important that you continue that physical touch. Dad's arms are security, mm -hmm. so it's very important. To it's keep awkward that. and weird because middle schoolers are awkward and weird. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I love them. I love them, but they go through that stage. And we had one daughter, I mean, super affectionate. Man, touch was her love language. And our other daughter was porcupine. Like, ugh, get off, you know. Oh, you but here's the thing. Even if they're the porcupine, dads or moms, we still got to show them affection. We still got to show them affection. We have to kind of force the card when it comes to that. Here's the next one. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. We may be the only source of truth in our kids' life, right? We, we might be it. And the world is constantly speaking lies into them, and we have to do our best to counteract that. We have to. I've never seen a parent say, oh, you know, 
I just want my kids to figure it out for themselves. And I just want them to give them the freedom to do whatever they want. And just, you know, I just, I just want to let them do their thing. I've never seen that work out well in a family. It never works. Deuteronomy says this in chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. And this is Moses, and he's talking to his people, and he's, he's giving them advice. He says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. So he's talking about the, the, the laws, the rules that God set up to protect these people, to, to protect Israel. He's saying, you got to remember them and commit yourself to them. Repeat them again and again to your children. Okay, that's our responsibility. Repeat them to our kids. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. This is why you, you pray with your kids before they go to sleep. You, you read them a Bible story. You, you talk in the car about spiritual principles. And when issues come up, problems come up, you give them advice and you talk about what, what we see in Scripture and what we see in Bible stories and, and how those can, things can help them with whatever situation they're going through now. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. And what that means is, is that do whatever it takes to remind yourself to do this. Put notes on your mirror, stick them on your rear view mirror on the way home at night. Do whatever you need to do to remind yourself to do these things. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We are the only model, and it is our responsibilities to model spiritual disciplines in our kids. It's our responsibility. It's so important for our kids when they get up in the morning or when, whenever they see you at times that you are, you're reading your Bible. You're having your coffee with God. You're, you got worship music going. You are setting the precedence for them for their, their spiritual growth in the future. Going to church together. That is such an incredible, wonderful mandate. If we will do that and develop that, that habit as, as, a, uh, uh, as a spiritual habit for them. And so they will do it with their families one day. I get this question all the time. Should I make my kids go to church? Should I make my kids go to 4640? Do you make them go to school? What other things do we make them do? And the spiritual growth and spiritual principle is the principles that's being put in being put into them is way more important than any of that. So yes, make them go to forty six. I don't want to go. I had a bad day. Oh well, you're going. I love you, but you're going. I don't want. I stayed up gaming till two in the morning last night. I don't want to get up and go to church. Oh, oh well, I guess you better think about that next time because we're going to church. And, and I've even had people say, well, you know what? I, I, I make them go to 4640. I don't make them go to church. The reason it's so important that they come to church is, number one, you're setting that precedence. But number two, they're going to transition at some point from 4640 to adulthood. They need to make sure that they feel connected to their church family. They feel connected in this worship center so they make that transition. It's so, so important that we keep them in church, but we also keep them in 4640. And finally, number nine, surround your kids with people that you trust that will tell them the same things that you would when you aren't around. There will be seasons in your kid's life where they will stop listening to you. And that doesn't matter how good a parent you are. That is actually a natural occurrence. When your kid starts to become a teenager, they start to break away from you. They're looking to become independent, and so they want and they need that separation to start happening. And so during that time, they very well 
may not be coming to you anymore and will be coming to other people. And so we want to pray for good Christian people to have influence in their lives when this happens, which is why we need to keep them in church, as Tim just mentioned, that we need to keep them in children's ministry and 4640. I mean, there were times in our kids' lives that they wouldn't listen to us, but we knew that if they went to Pastor JL or Pastor Sarah, that they would tell them the same things that we would because we were like-minded and I trusted them. And that was incredibly powerful. I can't tell you how many times we had been telling our kids something, they wouldn't listen, and then they'd come home from a 4640 or what used to be called vertigo service, and they would say, you know what Pastor JL said? She said this, she said this, and she said this. And I'm like, we've been saying that forever. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay, as long as you get the message, as long as you get the message. Also, send them to church camps. Tim just mentioned the fact that we started at church camps. That was an incredibly life-changing experience for myself, was to work at that church camp. I didn't get the opportunity when I was a kid to be able to go to church camps. But now it's so cool because I feel like that God has given me that opportunity back because as, as Tim being the, the senior pastor here and over the years, the different uh, positions we've, we've served in, we've always gotten to go to our youth camps. For whatever reason, we'll go and, and lay hands on kids or sometimes just we're interceding in the back. But we've been able to watch these, these youth camps and watch our, our church staff and still within these kids, these, this love for Jesus, this intimacy with Jesus, which you cannot imagine how precious and awesome that is to the point where now our own kids still have that amazing intimacy with Jesus to this day. Yeah, and not only intimacy with Jesus, but the, the relationships they make there, right? The, the friendships they make, not only with the counselors, but with their peers that believe the same thing that they do. That It's huge. And guys, I'm telling you, this last camp we just did in May, if you could have seen the miracles that happened in your kids' life. And you probably heard about them. I mean, we saw physical healings. We saw spiritual gifts that were being bestowed. We saw calls to ministry. We saw broken, hearted, broken hearts mended from, from, from rough situations with, with, with bad people in their life. I mean, it was beautiful what happened. And it's so important that we keep those things in our kids' life because it's their only chance, right, to, to, to jump in a spiritual bubble, which is like this warp speed for their spiritual life. They go from here to boom, here in four days. It's so incredible, and it's so important that we keep doing that. We have a, a kids, our kids' conference coming up. Same thing for them. Guys, it's so worth the investment. And finally, we want to help them choose their friends which part of that gets to happen with a, within a situation like a 4640 situation where they are cultivating those Christian friends. friends. But we have to help them navigate through that time. It's so very important. I'll tell you, we, we have um, a particular kid that is, is actually an adult now in this ministry that uh, started the relationship with my kids um, from he lived down the street and he would come over, he was best friends with my daughter, Lindsay. His name's Kyle. And they grew up, basically, m most of the time at my house. And uh, they 
went to 4640 together and, and throughout the years have continued to be great friends. And now he's also great friends with my daughter, Madeline. And he is in our church still today with his wife and his two kids serving under my younger daughter's ministry in 4640 and is such an amazing blessing to us. He is a spiritual child of ours. And that all started just by asking him to come to church with us. Yeah, and, and now he's like a camp MVP. They, they, they just seriously, like, it's just like, hey, we'll, we'll have Kyle do this. We'll have Kyle do this. He can do this. He can, and he just handles this spiritual weight and responsibility in such a beautiful way. And there's a bunch of them. And Skylar's the same way. Brittany's the same way. Has come up through uh, uh, youth ministry and was our kids' friends when they were younger. And, and uh, you know, my daughter met her husband in Vertigo. So Vertigo was before 4640. She met her husband, and he's such a great guy. And it's just, it's about putting your kids in the right environment mm -hmm. to cultivate the right relationships. It's awesome. And we have beautiful children's ministry and youth ministry here at Fellowship to be able to, to uh, accommodate that. We're very blessed by that. Well, guys, I hope uh, today that some of these mandates touch your heart. I hope they encourage you. But before we take off, I want to I pray over you. Rebecca and I want to pray over you. So, Lord, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for every dad that's represented here, every grandpa that's represented here. And I pray, Lord God, that you would instill in all of us Give us the tools that we need to be better parents, to be better grandparents. Lord, if we don't know what we're doing or we feel like we're making mistakes, help us do whatever it takes to get the right information to do a better job. I thank you though for every parent we have here, every dad, every grandpa, Lord. They are such blessings to us. They're such great examples and it is so obvious by looking at their kids what a wonderful job that they're doing as parents. So thank you for that. We know that we always can do better, so help us to always do better. But thank you for every father and grandfather represented here this morning. And Lord, we lift up the mothers and the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers here too as well. And we thank you for them and for their ministry to their kids. We thank you for all that they do, for how they nurture the family, they nurture the home, all the things that they do for everybody in that home. And so we pray for wisdom for them, for strength, that you will renew their spirits, Lord, and that you will help them to be all that they want to be and all that you want them to be, Lord. Be a, a, a light to their feet as they live this life, as they, as they parent these children, Lord God, and, and be blessings to all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with one of our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.